0: Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, imagine with me, if you would, a man who has had access to millions and millions of dollars of people's money to manage it, to invest it. Uh, He's made promises to these people. Uh, But along the way, he has cut corners. He's not followed the rules. He's been shady in his dealings. He's enriched himself, squandered it. And he has lost millions and millions and millions of dollars of people's money. Now, does that sound familiar? In our culture? It's happened, hasn't it? So let's imagine this man finds himself in court and he's, he's guilty and, and unless there's some way he can make all the financial things right for everybody involved, he's going to jail for a long, long time. And he has no way to make it right because he squandered the money. It's gone. And so he is facing long Jail sentence. As the judge gets ready to pronounce the, the uh, sentence, all of a sudden uh, a note is brought to him, and, and he reads it, and he, he looks and he says, well, this is a, a turn of events here. And he says this to the, to the man who's guilty there, this gentleman over here, and he looks over and sees this man, says, has agreed to pay all of the money that you owe that will make it right for everybody. The only condition is you have to agree to accept it. And so, of course, this man, obviously, what would the, would be crazy not to, right? He accepts that. I accept that payment. Okay, and then, so the judge says, you are free to go. And as he, he gets ready to, to leave, the, the man who made the payment comes and talks with him. And, and the guy says, okay, so what's the catch? What's the catch here? And he says, there is no catch. The only condition was that you agreed that you needed it and you took it. You accepted it. I mean, I don't have to do anything. No, but there's some things I'd like you to do. I'd like you to change your ways. I'd like you to go out and use the skills that you obviously have, use them for good. Use them to, to make a difference in people's lives. and Don't live selfish. I, I want you to change and be different now. But you've already, it's already been paid. That's not an issue, but I want to encourage you to change. So imagine then that this man who has been forgiven all this debt, listens to all this, he's accepted, he's experienced the the blessing of it, and then he turns and leaves the, the courtroom and walks out and goes right back to the ways he had always been. What do we think of somebody like that? Somebody did such an amazing thing for you, and you're so angry. We would say, you betrayed that person, didn't you? That person invested all of this in you, and you have betrayed them. Well, do you see that every time we choose to sin, that's sort of what we're doing, isn't it? God has paid our debt in full unconditionally and says, I want you to change. I I want you to to do better with your life. I want your life to be... And and every time we choose to sin and go our own way, it's like we betray the Lord. Sin is ugly, people. It is ugly, ugly, ugly. Hurtful. Damaging. And yet, we do it. You know, we need to understand that sin is like gangrene. You're familiar with gangrene, right? Gangrene, they can lose a leg or an arm or, or whatever. Gangrene is when a, a piece of the a, a body, the flesh, has been damaged to the point where it has died and is no longer alive. And what it does is it, it rots and decays there. It corrupts the flesh around it and that flesh begins to die and it spreads. This corruption and this ugliness and this evil and the problem to where eventually bad things can happen. That's the way sin is in our lives. When we allow sin to remain in our lives, that is the way that what's going on. You think about it. Sin has never done anything good for you. In the chapter we're going to look at today, and we're not probably going to get to these verses, but it says sin always brings forth death. The wages, what sin pays is death. Every time we sin, something dies. You know, piece of our soul dies, uh, uh, an opportunity dies, a relationship begins to die. I mean, death comes. Sin has never done anything good for us; only harm. And when we do things God's way, it's never brought anything to us but good and healing. It's like. When we do it, God, is like getting a blood transfusion when there's a problem, and the blood transfusion goes and begins and spreads this healing into our lives. So we know this, but we still sin. So how do we stop that? That's what we want to talk about today, how to stop sinning. We're going to look in Romans uh, chapter 1 and, and deal with this. And by the way, it is... It is, it is so important that we learn to do this. And here's what I'm gonna say, here's what I want you to, to come away with today if you come away with nothing else. And, and what we am gonna talk about, it really applies to this issue of how to stop sinning, but it, it applies to the whole Christian life, all other areas of Christian life too. And it's this statement, listen, you need to choose to believe the right thing so that you can choose to do the right thing. If you go ahead and put that up, that'd be awesome, okay? Choose to believe the right thing so that you can choose to do the right thing. Now, this is, it sounds silly, right? Wouldn't you say it's kind of like, well, duh? <laughs> right? Well, of course, yeah, but it, it's not as easy as you think. I don't know if you've ever seen, I've seen paintings and read illustrations about a man who, who was in jail, a jail cell, for years and years and years. No hope to get out, no expectation, no rights, no, you know, someplace in the woods. And then one day, somebody comes and unlocks the door and opens the door, and the man stays in the cell. He has become so accustomed to living in the cell, so accustomed to believing there is nothing for him out there, that he stays in the cell. He doesn't believe that he is really Free. See, and for him to experience this freedom, what's he going to have to do? He's going to have to choose to believe what? The right thing. Believing the wrong thing, that I'm just always here, that I'm stuck here, this is just the way it is, he's never going to come out. He has to choose to believe, no, the door is open. I really am free. I really can walk out of here. That way, then he can do the right thing. As Pastor Dave has reminded us so many times, Belief determines behavior. What we really believe deep down inside at any given point in time will determine the choices that we make. And so this is why in the Christian life and in specifically this issue we're going to talk about today, you have to choose to believe the right thing. And you have to do that so you can then choose to do the right thing. And this is especially true with the issue of we're talking about today. And and let's go to Romans chapter 6. We see in Romans 6, it it deals with some issues that are not intuitive to us. They aren't things that we would ever come to on our own and figure out when it comes to sin. Romans chapter 6, that's page 1298 in the Bible that's there in the chairs. You remember at the end of chapter 5, the Apostle, Holy Spirit led the Apostle to write, but where sin abounded, Grace abounded what? Do you remember? Much more. How, and that's such good news. No matter how much we have sinned or how much we will ever sin, God has more grace than that. More grace. We, we're never at risk of having sinned too much. Now, we may experience in this life the consequences of having sinned too much. But the fact of our relationship with God is not at risk because God has more grace then we have sinned. Good news. Well, the the question that comes to mind, is, well, then we can just sin, right? Well, that's the question, and that's the question that Paul asked in chapter 6, starting in verse 1. He says, well, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? (laughs) Right? And then he says this, certainly not. Now, It's interesting when you look at uh, English Bible translations trying to translate the words that are here and very little translation would be, may it never be. May may it never be. The King James Version uh, tried to capture the significance of this and translated, God forbid. Shall we go ahead and sin because we got grace? God forbid. No, certainly not. Don't do it. All right, fine. The problem is, I do. Do you? I'm not looking for a show of hands there. The problem is that we do sin. So verse two he says, certainly not. And then he says this, how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Okay, so here's the first thing we're gonna see and we're gonna talk more about it, but what do you mean "die to sin? What do, you, what do we mean we die to sin? Doesn't seem like I died to sin. And, and then verse 3 says, or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Okay, so let's stop and talk about this because we might say, well, wait a minute, I'm confused. Baptism. When we think bat- baptism, we usually think of what we do up here in our baptistry, right? We take people and we put them in the water and say, buried in likeness of Christ's death and raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Um, but this word baptism doesn't just mean that symbolic thing that we do. In fact, it's root meaning. Baptism is just a transliteration from the Greek word, uh, baptizo, baptism. It literally means to put into. To put into. Okay, This word was used to, um, when they dyed cloth in the New Testament times, they've dyed it. They said they baptized the cloth. That's hard for us because we think baptism, religion, and all that, right? But no, they, what they do, they took the cloth and did what? Put it into the dye. Okay, to put it into. I, I heard in this last year someplace that when two naval ships in those days would fight and one would get sunk, the other two said we baptized them. <laughs> we put them into the sea. And so the very basic meaning of the word means to put into. First Corinthians chapter 12 says that uh, all of us have been baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. And that's what Paul is talking about here. The moment I received Christ, April 4th, 1975 for me, that night, about 10 o'clock at night, I finally realized you know where I was at with my sin and separation from God I, I believe that Jesus died through my sin and rose again and I made a conscious decision to place my faith in Jesus as my savior and the moment I did that God took me and, and placed me he put me into Christ into the body of Christ Okay, and obviously he came to live inside of me too but he put me into Christ and, and that is what Paul is talking about here when he's saying baptism. And our, our water baptism is a symbol of what God has done for us in Jesus. So let's read it again. Verse three, Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized, put into Christ Jesus, were baptized or put into his death? Well, if we've been brought into union with Christ, then we've also been brought into union with his death. Okay. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So when we were united with Christ, and this is what I'm trying to tell you. This is not intuitive. This is something God has to tell us. But when we have been united with Christ, brought into that relationship, we are also united with him then in his death for sin. And we are also united with him in his resurrection and a new life. Okay, let's, let's read on. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away. Okay, uh, our old man. <laughs> When I grew up, if I ever called my father my old man, that would have been a problem. But that's not what it's talking, that's not what it's using. It says our old man, my old man. You remember, I think it was last fall, I think we were in 1 Corinthians, and we talked about saints under construction, what God had done in our lives. But let's refresh a little bit about what kind of, what our nature is like, our being. The Bible tells us that God has made us spirit, soul, and body. And there's little parts of all of that together. But big parts, spirit, soul, and body. Okay? That the spirit is that part of us where it's possible for us to have a relationship with God and experience direct communion and fellowship with him. But the Bible says that we were conceived in sin. And then we lived out sin. And what happened is, is we were born with our spirits being dead to God. Our spirits are that deep down part of us that's really who we are at the core of our being. We were dead to God. We were selfish, self-focused, all right? Sin nature, that's what we would call this. It's who we are, we had no life of God. You can be dead to God and believe that He exists, but you have none of His life, you're dead to Him. And what do we say about sin and, and the picture of gangrene, what's it do? So a lot of, it spreads, and that's exactly what's happened. That deadness to God, that self-focused, sinful spirit uh, has corrupted our souls. It's It's corrupted how we think. It's corrupted how we feel about things and how we respond to things and how we interpret things and on and on it goes. Okay? And so that's what happened. And then our body does what? Lives it out. Whatever, you know, it wants us to do. Okay? So, spirit, soul, and body. When he says, My old man died, he's talking about his identity deep down inside, in his spirit, who we are. Reunited with Jesus, and that old man dies. He's rendered powerless, it says there. And this is deep down inside, he has died, and now, since God has moved in, Now my spirit is alive. It's alive to God. And deep down inside now, I'm no longer selfish. I am no longer self-focused. I am no longer bent towards sin. Deep down inside in the core of my being. It's life now and it's God and it's good. And the plan is that then this goodness begins to work out into our lives and begins to change the way we think and to change the way we interpret things, change how we feel about things, change our response to things so that then out here in our life and our bodies we can live different lives. All right, so that is what God has done for us. And so Paul here says, knowing this, that our old man, that old sinful The core of our being was crucified with him that the body of sin, this whole bent towards sin, might be done away or rendered powerless. Why? That we should no longer be slaves of sin. So so this is telling me that when the core of my being was was dark and separated from God and dead to God and no life and self-focused, I was a slave to sin. Now maybe I tried to make that sin look respectful, but I was a slave to it nonetheless. I was a slave to sin. But he says, because he has changed us at the core of our being, that's no longer who we are. Now we don't have to be slaves to sin. We can do something different. We can make a different choice. Let's read on. For he who has died has been freed from sin, freed from that controlling power. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Now get this, likewise, you also. In other words, he's saying the same way you, do this, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So this is where we're starting to talk about choose to believe the right thing. Paul here tells us, here's the truth, here's the reality. You, you, deep down inside, you are no longer a slave to sin. You can make a different choice. Reckon this to be true. And when you look up the the definition for the the word that's translated, reckoned there, two words come out. One is say and the other is reason. And so what he's saying here, say to yourself, I am now dead to sin and alive to God. Reason, reason, what does this mean? Think about the fact that I am dead to sin and alive to God. We're really talking about choosing to believe it, aren't we? Choosing to believe the right things so you can choose to do the right things. So, so here, here's what you need to choose to, when we talk about choosing to believe the right thing. You need to do this. Believe that in Christ you are free from the controlling power of sin so you can actually say no to sin. You have to believe that you're really free from sin. Do you feel like you're free from sin? Probably not sometimes. You have to choose to believe it. It's the right thing to believe. And if you'll believe that, then you can do the right thing. Well, let's talk about this a little bit. You know, what does it mean then to be dead to sin and what does it not mean? Well, what it does not mean is that you will never be drawn towards sin. It doesn't mean you don't have any desires to never be tempted. It isn't talking about that. What it's saying is when you are tempted, you can do the right thing. You can say no. You can say yes to God and say no to sin, whereas before you couldn't. Now you can. And that's what it means. It talks about being dead to the controlling power of sin. Well, why is it so important to believe this? Why is it so important? Well, how many of you have a love-hate relationship with your personal computers? Okay? Yeah, they said they're wonderful things They can drive you crazy, right? Well, I had my new computer a couple of years ago, and I was, it really enjoyed it. It was nice. It was fast. It did everything I needed to do and more. And then one day, all of a sudden, uh, it started just really getting weird and, and kind of slow. I remember Dave, I'd tell you, but this is going, driving me nuts, trying to figure it out. I'd chase them, like There were no viruses, anything like that I could find. But it just got really slow. And all of a sudden, it'd be working. All of a sudden, it would just kind of go like this for a while, and i trying to figure out how to get it to work, and, and uh, I, I couldn't. And I just got used to it. I learned to expect it. I learned some ways to work around it. I learned if I did this, this, maybe it could change. And I just lived with it for months. And one day I was talking to my son, Matt, and I was, he asked me, could you do something for me? I had my computer out here in the foyer, and I, I said, yeah. I said, well, you have to wait a minute because da, 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 all these things. He says, it ought not be that way. He said, there ought to be some way you can figure this out and find out what's going on. And he made some suggestions about where to find the answers. Well, sure enough, I went and did some search and look and found the answers that I had, they weren't viruses, but they were files left over from other things and they ended up in the wrong place and, and the computer didn't know what to do with it and it just go ooh. Pull those things out, isolate them, test it, boom. computer's like new. Now, what I want you to understand is this. I had gotten used to it, and I believed, well, this is just the way it is. And it wasn't until I came to believe something different that I then chose to do something different. And that's the way it is in our relationship with Christ. If I believe that I am just a sinner, that's just the way I am, how am I going to respond in life then? Well, what do sinners do when temptation comes along? What do they do? They sin. That's right, because, see, what you're believing affects what you do. And this is why you have to, to change your thinking. It's just like I had to change that computer. As long as I, I believe the wrong thing, I didn't do the right thing, the thing that needed to happen. But when I believed the right thing, then I was able to choose to do the right thing. And that's the way it is in our lives. I, I knew a man once, I was talking to him. He made some sinful choices and we were talking about this and I was, let's, let's talk about why you did this and, and what was going on, what were you getting? He said, just because I'm a sinner, okay? He got mad at me, I'm a sinner, all right? That's just the way I am, I'm a sinner. So what did he act like? See? And so he, sadly, he wouldn't let us, he wasn't interested in talking about getting to where he could be free. But see, you believe the wrong thing, you do the wrong thing. And so we have to, to really believe that, that we're free from sin because we're in Christ. We really are free from Him and sin, from, from sin in Him. And therefore we can choose to do something differently. Well, here's the next question. Well, why do I feel so often like I'm not dead to sin? Anybody else like that besides me? Yeah, I feel often like, well, I don't feel like I'm dead to sin. Well, let's think about this. I I don't know if you've ever talked to somebody, maybe it's you, someone who's been in an abusive relationship of some kind. And then they finally get away from the abusive relationship. And this, this abuser no longer has control over their lives, right? It's gone. But you know what happens when the person who's been abused all of a sudden sees the person who abused them? they feel like they're right back under that person's control. Sometimes just the thought of it, you know, the emotions come and and grab the person and they still feel like they are under the control of that one who abused them. And and their, their solution is to say, no, wait a minute, what's the truth here? I am no longer under this person's control, even though I'm feeling like I am not, and then make choices consistent with the truth, see? And eventually, They can get to where that doesn't run them so much and less and less uh, control over them. Well, that's what happens when we're sinning. We feel like we're not dead to sin. We're like sin and Satan abused you, folks. Did you know that? Sin, Satan abused you. And you were under his controlling power. Well, now you're not anymore. The memory sometimes is still there. The emotions are still there. And you feel like you're still under the control. But you're not. Well, so what is, what's up when we feel tempted then? If we're not What's up is that, that we, you know, I talk about, you know, our bodies, right? As part of who we are. Do you know your body is amoral, has no morals, your body? What is your body like? Things that feel good. What is your body not like? Things that don't feel good. Your body's just like a party looking for a place to happen. Okay? So is this world going to appeal to that? Is sin going to tug at that? Sure it is. So those natural desires are there. And so sin is going to tug at that. We all have a desire to be significant, to matter. We all have a desire to feel secure, safe, and loved. All those things. So we have these desires, and what sin is, is offering to meet those desires in a way that's not God's way in a way that does more damage than hell. That's what sin is. And so when we're feeling tempted, just understand these desires. And I can say no to them and I can say yes to God because God's way of meeting these desires, God's timing for meeting these desires is good and healthy and right and helpful. Where sin will just bring more destruction. But so when we're tempted, it's just a very natural thing for us to have our, our desires appealed to. Okay, so here's the question. Okay, I get all this now, but I do still sin. Why? Well, it's because we have all these core beliefs, these beliefs that need to change. Remember, we, what do we say? Did I, what did our sin nature do in our lives? What did it do to our soul? corrupted our soul, made us think wrong, made us think in twisted ways, wrong ways, interpret things wrongly, respond to things wrongly, and we built up experience and experience living this way. Man, it is intertwined all inside of us, this wrong way of approach to life because of what sin has done to us. And so the reason we still do sin is because we're in the process of unraveling that and replacing right, replace the wrong beliefs with the right beliefs. But that takes time. But as we work through it, more and more we can be free and we can say no. Because the truth is, no matter how messed up my thinking is, the truth is because of what God has done, I can now do what? When it comes to sin, I can say what? No. I can say yes to God. I can do that. And so, yeah, we still do sin and hopefully we will sin less and less and less. So I want you to see that all of these struggles that we've talked about here really aren't related to what we think or know is true. They're related to how we feel. Have you noticed that? Well, yeah, okay, I see that I'm free from the controlling power of sin, but I feel like I'm not. Yeah, I know I can say no to temptation when it comes my way, but I feel like I can't. Do you get it? That's, that's what's going on? And so what you have to do is understand this. Remember the principle. Choose to believe the right thing so you can choose to do the right thing. And this is so important. Even when it doesn't feel right, maybe especially when it doesn't feel right. Because if you will hold to the truth and act on the truth even when it doesn't feel right, next time your feelings won't be quite as strong and you, you choose to do right again in the face of feelings that say otherwise, next time they'll be even a little less. Because what will happen is eventually your feelings will follow what you really believe and do, eventually. And so it's so important that you do not go with your feelings, but you go with what God has said is true. And, and That's really all we have time for here today because we want to partake of the Lord's Supper. But isn't it good that God has actually set us free from the controlling power of sin? We don't have to. And we talked about, yes, the struggle's real, all this kind of stuff. So how do we deal with the struggle? How do we view the struggle and deal with the struggle? That's next week, chapter seven, part of chapter eight. We'll talk about that. What we want to do now, though, is to partake of the Lord's Supper together, Thank him for the very kinds of things we're talking about today, what he's done for us and freeing us. The Bible tells us that uh, the bread and the juice here are symbols. The bread being the symbol of Christ's body dying on the cross for us. The blood being the symbol of his, of the blood, (laughs) the juice being the symbol of his blood shed for us. Um, Very important things that they symbolize, so much so that the Apostle Paul warns us not to take it lightly. He says, don't be living like a hypocrite and then partake of the Lord's Supper. He says, no, no, you need to examine yourself, examine your heart, make things right with God between you and him, and then partake. So let's just take a minute or so here and quietly before God, just examine ourselves, our lives, see where we're at. If there's anything there that doesn't belong, make it right with the Lord right now, and then we'll partake of the Supper together. We have been freed from the penalty of sin. Today we are free from the controlling power of sin. There will be coming a day when we will be free from the presence of sin. Won't that be nice? (coughs) All right. Well, God bless you on this Independence Day weekend. Uh, Enjoy yourselves. Go be salt and light wherever the Lord leads you. Okay? God bless you. You're dismissed.